All right, praise God. So the title, the title that I feel like I need to put on this message today is enough. How many of you have felt like enough already? Everything we're going through, and if you believe all the underground Internet stuff, things are going to get really bad, but <laughs> I don't know. Someone called me this morning and said, Pastor, what do we need to get ready? Thank you. Short conversation. Listen, I, why worry about it? We just got to be the church. If we wind up being like the church in China, we'd still be better off. Christians in China are better Christians than we are. The church would be almost better off under persecution than we are now. It doesn't matter. Listen, my goal as pastor is not to worry about the politics and who's in charge and who's governor and who's president. I, I care. Listen, we pray for them. We bless them in the name of Jesus. But my concern is to pastor a people ready for the coming of the Lord. That's all. That's all. Listen, I just need to get you ready for the rapture. I don't need to get you ready. Listen, if you all, you all need to go out and buy eggs and butter and toilet paper, just go. I'm not here to tell you what to buy at Kroger. I'm here to tell you in the name of Jesus, a church ready, a bride ready for the coming king. Amen. Let's just be ready. Because if, if the coming of the Lord has ever been closer, it's never been closer than it is now. Hello. Who, who's ready to go? Who's ready to go? Oh, some of you can't raise your hand. Okay. We've been preaching the last two weeks on Gideon, right? And as I was preaching about Gideon, I don't know that I could preach another sermon on Gideon maybe, but I thought about David because David is another guy that was unappreciated. David is another guy that people really did not think he would ever amount to anything. No one saw him coming. No one believed in him. Maybe you feel like that way yourself. And sometimes you just feel overlooked and unappreciated and sometimes you're just under attack and all kinds of things going on in your life, especially in this season that we... Can you believe it's been almost a year we've been through this? I don't know if it's been a long time or a short time. It's weird, right? It just it feels like both. How, how is that possible? It's just weird. But they're just, in my spirit, you just want to cry out, enough. And even if it doesn't end, I just, I just want my spirit to get back to normal. I just, you know what, I'm going to take that back. I don't want normal. I want to go above and beyond where I was a year ago. I want to go deeper, farther, richer than I've ever been before. I want to be closer to him than I've ever been. Come on, anybody want, anybody feel that in your spirit? It's time to push ahead. Quit letting the giants of all that we have to face hold us back because you can defeat your Goliath. That's the message. Go home. I'm done. 1 Samuel chapter 17. I'm going to read this in the message. You get a little different flavor of it, a little different, uh, yeah, you know, a little different look on it. So here it is. In 1 Samuel, here's the story. Let me read the story. The Philistines drew up their troops for battle. They deployed them at Soko in Judah and set up camp between Soko, whatever the place is, and Saul and the Israelites came together and camped at Oak Valley. I like that. I could say Oak Valley very clearly. 
And, and they spread out their troops in battle readiness for the Philistines. The Philistines were on one hill and the Israelites on the opposing hill with the valley in between them. Okay, you got, you got the picture? A giant nearly 10 feet tall. And people say, I just, I just don't believe that. You know they have found skeletons of people that are that tall? Yeah, but it's locked up where no one can see it. Will knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. They, they, they lock that stuff away. They don't want to talk about that. But there were giants. So, so here it is. Ten feet tall, uh, uh, stepped out from the Philistine line into the open, Goliath from Gath. He had a bronze helmet on his head and was dressed in armor, 126 pounds of it. I can't even lift 126 pounds. I'd grunt at half that, all right? He, he wore, I know some of you are thinking, I don't think he can do 60. Ah, oh, come on. Come on now. Don't be challenging me. If I can't do it, Will can. All right. So, so listen, he wore bronze shin guards. He carried a bronze sword. His spear was like a fence rail. Okay? <laughs> the, the, the spear tip alone weighed, weighed over 15 pounds. I can lift that. His shield bearer walked ahead of him. Goliath stood there and called out to the Israelite troops saying, Why bother using your whole army? Is, am I not Philistine enough for you? And you all, he's from the south, you all committed to Saul, aren't you? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Then he says, so pick, up your, pick out your um, best fighter and pit him against me. If he gets the upper hand, kills me, the Philistines will all become your slaves. If, I, if, if he kills me, I'll become your slaves. Guys, let, us, let us fight it out together, just the two of us. Mm. I'm going to let Will just preach. I think he's, Will is ready to preach. When Saul, when Saul and his troops heard the Philistines' challenge, they said, yeah, let's, no, they were terrified. Lost all hope. You know, when you lose hope, that's it, right? Lost all hope. Enter David. Aren't you glad for a David? You are a David. He was the son of Jesse, the Ephrathite, from Bethlehem in Judah. Jesse, the father of eight sons was himself too old to join Saul's army. Jesse's three oldest sons had followed Saul to war. After you have had eight sons, you're pretty much too old to do anything. The names, I don't know how many daughters he had. The names of the three sons, okay, he got all their names, so on and so forth, and they went to war. David went back and forth attending to Saul, tending his father's sheep in Bethlehem. Let's go to verse 19. And Saul and your brothers and all the Israelites in their war with the Philistines in the Oak Valley. David was up at the crack of dawn and having arranged for someone to tend his flock, took uh, the food and was on his way just as Jesse had directed him. He was supposed to bring them lunch. He arrived at the camp just as the army was moving into battle formation, shouting the war cry. Israel and the Philistines moved into position, facing each other, battle ready. You getting this picture? 
the Israelites, to a man, fell back the moment they saw the giant, totally frightened. The talk among the troops was, have you ever seen anything like this guy? This man openly and defiantly challenging Israel. The man who kills the giant will have it made, though. The king will give him a huge reward, offer his daughter as a pride, as a, as a prize, right? Of course, we all know how that worked out. <clears throat> and gave his entire family a free ride. What does that mean? No taxes. That's better than the woman, better than the bride. Well, the wife cost him money. So get back, back, back behind the pole, back behind the pole. David, who was talking to the men standing around him, asked, what's in it for the man who kills that Philistine and gets rid of this ugly blot on Israel's honor? Who does he think he is anyway, this uncircumcised Philistine taunting the armies of God alive? Ha. Huh. Amen? Who does this guy think he is? Listen, you need to get a word in you that starts looking at the giant in your life, whether it's financial, whether it's uh, health issues, merit, marital issues, what, whatever the issue, psychological, can't sleep at night. Listen, you need to look at the giant and say, who do you think you are? Because when those giants come against you, they're coming against God. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And you need to stand up against Goliath in the name of Jesus and say, I've had enough of your nonsense. I've had enough of your intimidation. And I'm going to look you square in the eye. Because when you come against me, you're coming against the God of the angel armies. And I defeat you in the name of Jesus. But that wasn't David's only problem because you need to hear this. Some things don't come from the giant. The giant wasn't his only problem. Listen, stop blaming everything on the devil. Some things you brought on yourself. I actually got an amen on that. Well, you know if you'll be honest. If you've been saved 10 minutes, you've probably blown it. And, and, and listen, it's, and if it's not you, how many know sometimes the biggest problems we have is other church people? Go ahead and admit it. There's that, preacher. Not everything is the giant's problem. First Samuel 17, look at this in verse, verse 28. Eliab, his older brother, heard David fraternizing with the men and lost his temper. What are you doing here? Why aren't you minding your own business, tending that scrawny flock of sheep? You know, when somebody wants to get on your nerves, they belittle what you do. Oh, you think you're all that. I know what you do, and it ain't all that. It's not that much. He said, I know what you're up to. You've come down here to see the sights, hoping for a ringside seat at a bloody battle. In other words, his brothers thought he was a brat, a busybody, stupid, immature, young little thing, just coming down to the battle, see all the glory. 
What do you know about fighting? What do you know about battles? You know, the enemy will just tell you, you you've, you've never been here before. You'll never overcome this. Well, why would the Lord bring you through something you've already been through? If you're going to go through something, it's something you hadn't been through before. Think about that. And he wants to show you and, and let you know that no matter how big Goliath, you can beat this thing. You can get through this thing. Even David's father, listen, this is not in the scriptures, but according to Jewish tradition, David's father suspected, wasn't true, but suspected that David wasn't legitimate. It's a long story behind that, and I'm not going to go into it. It's not pretty. <laughs> but he was legitimate, but, you know, timing issues. Do I need to get into it? Um, anyway. He wondered all along, and, and of course, even, even without that, he was the youngest son, which means he inherited nothing. He was on his own the rest of his life. Uh, the youngest son is pretty much worthless. That's why he's out there tending sheep. That's not the best job in the house. If you're tending sheep out in the wilderness living in a tent, you're low man on the totem pole. In fact, most of the time, that job was done by servants and slaves. So, so David is being disrespected as a son. He's thrown out there into the wilderness to take care of those scrawny sheep. And he's a brat and he's a nobody, probably full of himself. Yeah? But David had something no one else had. In fact, even Saul just used him as a fall guy. I mean, why would you send this kid out there? He said, well, I killed a lion and I killed a bear. And Saul says, well, we're going to lose this anyway. Let me, let me just throw David out there. I'll tell everyone he killed a lion and a bear, and I'll just throw him out there to feed him to the wolves because we're going to lose anyway, and at least I've got someone to blame. A lot of people just throw you under the bus because they just want someone to blame, and you get stuck with it. Ever been there? I'm a pastor. I'm there a lot. It's the preacher's fault. It's the preacher's fault I don't have enough toilet paper now because he didn't warn me ahead of time. I got plenty at my house. Drop by. We'll take care of you. Actually, I got plenty of everything in my house. This country can go under for six years. I'll be good. The other day I was throwing out some canned food. It was like several years old. Gloria said, those expiration dates don't mean anything on cans. I said, Gloria, this one's 2003. What in the world? I am not going to eat this. Are you going to eat this? No, but I expect you to. No. I'm Now i got to find my way back. Where in the world am I? <laughs> I might be exaggerating a little. So, so <laughs> every, 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 everyone's just throwing him under the bus. He's a nobody, a nothing. But let's, let's throw him out there. And, and besides, Saul can always say, well, I tried to get him to wear my armor. The stupid kid wouldn't wear it. Well, not my fault. 
Throw David out there. Throw him to the wolves. We got somebody to blame. But David had something apparently that nobody in all of Israel had. He had had enough. He heard the roaring of Goliath. And he said, I don't care how big he is. This ain't right. God's bigger than this. He can help me. To He said, I can take him on. That wasn't pride. It was knowing the anointing of God. Listen, it's not pride to say, I'm, listen, it's not pride to say, I know where I'll be at the end of my life. I'm going to heaven. That's not pride. That's, uh, uh, my name's in the book of life. My God's bigger than that, and I'm going to make it. I'm going to get through this trial. I know it. That's not pride. That's not foolishness. That's not carelessness. That's knowing in whom I have believed. I have put all things in his hands. I believe he's in charge of my If God's in charge of my life, how can I fail? You either believe that or you don't. And if you believe it, you are more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus the Lord. Really, all David had at this point was righteous indignation. Sometimes we just need to get mad at the devil. Just get mad at your situation. Quit taking it out on someone else and say, I've had enough, devil. The devil is a liar, and I'm going to take this on, and I am going to be victorious. David had an attitude. He's like, he's like, how dare you eat my lunch and talk against my destiny? I brought you lunch, and this is how you treat me? <laughs> listen, I'm standing in the name of the Lord. Because, listen, David had had, had enough, and David was, hmm, David had more than enough. 1 Samuel 17 and Verse 29, I love this, love this verse. I really love it. David said, what have I done now? It's kind of like, you remember your, when you were your little brother? <laughs> what have I done now? Always in trouble. You call his name out. What have I done now? Is there not a cause? Oh, that's powerful. A cause will motivate you. A cause will sweep you into the battle. A cause will make you angry and say, let's not be intimidated. Let's not be full of fear. We can break through this. We can do this. We have a cause. One man said, one man said there's, there's a difference between being able to fight well and being able to fight for something. You know, mercenary soldiers can fight well. They're paid to fight. But well, listen, when, when it really gets bad, guess who's the first one to retreat and get out of there? Yeah, it's the paid soldiers because they don't have a cause other than a little gold in their pocket. But I'm here to tell you, when you have a cause, you're not intimidated. When you have a cause, when you understand that God's up to something in the planet and God's going to use me and we're going to be more than conquerors and we're going to defeat this and we're going to be winners and my God we have a cause where God's about to turn this world upside down somebody praise him in the house my goodness spilt water all over the place I'll be like that's good preaching when you knock your water bottle over 
I still got my communion. I'm good. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Listen, everyone else had an excuse. David had a cause. Listen, I know about excuses. I'm a pastor. I'm sure some of us, not present company excluded, looked out the window, saw a little bit of snow, rolled over, and decided to work at, to worship at St. Mattress. Thank you, Jesus. I do love you. I'm talking to the wrong crowd. I know. You made it. Listen, I've heard every excuse under the sun. It's rare. You can't, you can't find too many now that I haven't heard before. But you can't believe the excuses people have for not being the man or woman of God that they're supposed to be. Everyone had an excuse not to fight, but David had a cause. Listen, David had just enough to get the job done. Verse 38 talks about what David had. And so, so Saul clothed David with his armor, and he put a bronze helmet on his head. He also clothed him with a coat of mail. It looked like, looked like one of those hobbits with their little armor on. You remember Lord of the Rings? David f- fastened his sword to his armor and tried to walk, uh, tried to walk, for he had not tested them. And David said to Saul, I can't even walk with this stuff. For I have not tested him, them. So David's like, what in the world? I can't. All this armor, and he's probably dragging a sword. For I've, I've not tested them. So, so David took them out. Listen, don't let, don't let someone else clothe you. Don't let, don't let someone else tell you how to do it. Don't, don't let someone else say, it worked for me, so it'll work for you. As pastor, I can't just look at other churches and say, well, they went from 50 to 500, and here's what they did. And if we do the same thing, the same thing will happen to us. Not necessarily. God has a path. God has a way for you to fight. This is how I fight my battle. Come on, we fight the battle with a praise. Amen. We don't fight the way most people fight. In fact, Journey Life Center might be maybe even different than a lot of churches. We, we just fight the way God tells us to fight. We get out there and we put the armor on we're supposed to fight with. Amen. We need to do it God's way for our church. Other way, they do it another way. I'm not saying their way is wrong. But God knows how we need to go about it. And we're going to win this battle if we do it God's way. Ah, hallelujah. So he took a staff in his hand and he chose for himself five smooth stones. Now, now why five? People say, well, he, he was thinking maybe he'd miss four times. No, he took five stones because Goliath had four brothers. Read your Bible. It's in another book of the Bible, but there it is. He had four brothers. So David's like, well, I'm going to kill Goliath, and if he brings, if he brings the brothers, I'm going to take them on too. I'm going to take them all on. I got me five stones. You know, he, he planned to not only hit the giant, but kill the, or at least knock the giant over with one stone. That's all I need is one stone. All I need, just, 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 just one rock. I don't need, I picked this because it's light. <laughs> yeah, it's 63 pounds. Woo. 
Listen, you don't need someone else's armor. Listen, listen, listen to this statement. While Goliath filled the air with fear and intimidation, David was quietly choosing his stones. I ain't worried about no giant. While Goliath, he's just, hmm, just sitting around the brook looking for rocks. Oh, there's a pretty one. I don't think David was all that concerned, do you? He knew his God. It's not about knowing your strength. It's about knowing his strength. Hallelujah. And by the way, why did he pick smooth stones? What, is, what makes a, a rock smooth? You know, when it first cuts off or breaks off from a stone, it's got a lot of jagged edges. If it's a smooth stone, it means it's been in that creek or that river for a long time. It's been in there a long time, and that water's been rushing over it for centuries. And now, because of the water going over, it smoothed all the rough edges off, and now that stone is perfectly smooth and ready to be a weapon. I've got a word for you. Do not despise your past and what you've been through. Do not say, well, I'd be better off if that hadn't happened or if this or that didn't happen in my life, I'd be way ahead. No, 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 no. Everything you've been through has just smoothed you out. Everything... Listen, everything you've been through just got you ready for what you're facing today. You cannot get through what you're facing today unless you had those experiences back last year, last decade, whatever it was. God is making you a smooth stone, a weapon that will take your enemy down. Now somebody help me in the house. Woo, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise team can come on up. Listen, you don't need anyone to convince you you're enough. You don't have anything to prove to anybody. Quit listening to the voices of other church people or family members or wherever you're hearing the criticism from. You have nothing to prove. Everything you've been through has prepared you for this moment in your life. Oh, everyone else remembers when you messed up. And they stereotype you and say, well, they're this because that's what they did. This is what happened. You know what happened to so-and-so. It's been 30 years, but they're still hanging on to it. You know what happened to you know what happened back then. And they'll stick that to you the rest of your life. They just don't ever let you get beyond what you did. But what you do and what you did is not you. And what you did and what you're doing, that's just preparing you for what you're doing, what you're going to do now. Don't let anyone hold you back. It's time to understand you're ready for Goliath today. And God wouldn't allow you to even hear Goliath if you didn't have the strength and the stone to take Goliath down. Lift up a shout to the Lord and praise him. Woo, hallelujah. Every trial has qualified you. Every heartache has equipped you. 
You know what really blesses me? This blows my mind. I hope you I hope you get it in your spirit. I hope you get this. God was preparing me and allowed me to go through all that stuff just so I can win today. Why did God let me go through that? So that you can get through today. Apparently you don't get it. He was there back then. He's there today. He was there when I took on the bear and the lion, and that got me ready for Goliath. I don't care what you've been through. You're here. I'm still standing in the name of Jesus.